Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. It's fun month at TC, and today's message is brought to you by our very own Bree Davis. So from wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. I have a message I want to share with you that's, that's really near and dear to my heart. God has been dealing with me um, this in my personal life over the past couple of years, and specifically over the past couple of months, I feel like he's just been really nailing this, this message into me. And so I'm excited to share this with you. Here at TC, we have a culture code. Now, many of you guys know what this culture code is. It's 12 guiding principles for us to be able to reach our vision. This is the type of culture that we want to have. I've been working here. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Bree, and I work here at the church, and I've been working here for the past six years, and I remember us sitting down to come up with the culture code. I remember us going down, and we had, I mean, t- too many words probably that we wanted to put on there, but we decided to have 12. And I'll never forget, Pastor Mike, we were at the end of deciding what we're going to put on the culture code, and Pastor Mike said, hey, we cannot leave out fun. Fun has to be a part of us as a church. Like people have to know us as a fun church. Now the tagline for fun in our culture code is we enjoy it all. We enjoy it all. Clever, right? But a little naive because I don't think that we knew what all meant at the time. Like we were thinking of all being like lives changed and people coming to church and enjoying one another and building community. But we didn't know that when we said we will enjoy it all, that that meant that there is going to be times of financial struggle here at our church. We didn't know that that meant that we're going to have to sacrifice a lot of time and hours away from our families to help build this ministry. And when we said we're going to enjoy it all, that meant the ups and the downs. So I don't think we really fully understood that when we came up with this tagline, but it's a bold tagline because in other words, what it's saying is in Christ, we really can enjoy it all. Good, bad, and ugly. So today, that's the message of my title, or this is the title of my message. Let me flip those words. Enjoy it all. Today, I want to talk about how in our personal lives, we can get to a place where we enjoy it all. I believe that there is nothing worse than a fun, deficient Christian. Like, you love the Lord, but like, you always tight. Like, you don't have fun in life. You don't really enjoy. Matter of fact, the life in Christ that you have, it feels more like a burden or something you have to endure than something that you actually can't enjoy. But Jesus actually promised us in his word that we are supposed to have an abundant life. And I challenge you today that if you are a believer and you are not living a life that you enjoy, maybe there's some perspectives that have to be realigned. Maybe there's some things that we need to come back to the cross and ask God, hey, what do I have out of order here? Because I'm not enjoying this life that you've given me. Our scripture that I want to look at today is John 10, 10. I've already kind of shared it, but I want to share it in the amplified version. It says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. But I, this is Jesus talking, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That is the type of life that Jesus has promised us. Now, when Jesus talks about abundance, he's not talking about the length of life. He's not saying you're gonna live till you're 300 years old, okay? 
Jesus is talking about the quality of life. As a believer, we should be living a high quality life, a life that when people look at us, they want that same life because it's so high quality. It's so enjoyable. So a little bit about me. I'm a sales shopper, okay? I don't know if there's any other ladies out here like me, but yep. I literally walk in stores and I walk past the entire front of the store to get to the sales rack in the back that is full of chaos and destruction, but also full of 70% off items. I am the type of person that takes $20 in and tries to get a couple of outfits with my $20. Matter of fact, the shirt I got on today is $5 from H&M. That's the kind of person I am. So I don't have too many high quality things in my closet, okay? My stuff lasts about six to eight months. But I go back and buy another $2 shirt and it lasts six to eight months too. I'm not really a high quality shopper, okay? One year, a couple years ago, my husband bought me a gift for Christmas. And again, like I said, not high quality, I mean, accessories, all that. I'm looking for the sale. I'm looking for the discount, okay? And so um, normally all my purses come from Target, uh, Walmart, places like that, okay? Well, my husband got me a gift one year that was a name brand purse. Now, I don't even know that I wanted a name brand purse, honestly. I don't even look for stuff like that. Matter of fact, I just passed all those stores in the mall like they're invisible, okay? <laughs> He bought me this purse and um, I got, when he gave it to me, it comes in a, a box that's the same color as the purse, awesome. The ribbon is the same color as the purse. Then you open up the box, the purse is in a bag. Like it has its own bag inside the box. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> I open up the bag and it's this beautiful leather purse. And y'all, I'm not kidding. It was like he just handed me salvation. I started crying profusely. Like, I'm like, oh my God, you bought this for me. And it's because half the stuff I have is $20 and under. But I was also really excited, not just about the present, but about the sacrifice that I know that had to go into him building up that money on the side to not, you know, inhibit us paying our bills and on top of that going and buying this purse for me like I could not believe that he had been stacking this cash on the side to go get this purse for me and so the sacrifice is what I was crying about it was the, the sacrifice that he put into it that I was like oh my gosh you really did this this is what Jesus did for us he's offering us a high quality life that he paid for he gave his life so that we can live a free life in him full of abundance and enjoyment. And that ought to make us grateful. But this is what I believe. If you have a hard time enjoying your life, more than likely, you do not see God as good. Because if, my, if I had gotten that gift from my husband, and I opened that box up, and then I opened that bag up, and it was a lump of coal in that bag, I'm not mad at the lump of coal. I'm mad at the person who gave it to me. Life is a gift from God. And if we don't see it like that, more than likely we're having a hard time seeing the giver of that gift as good. I believe
believe that for us to really enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has promised us, we must realign our perspective of God's goodness. Do you believe that he's really good? Like in the core of you, do you believe that he's really good? Because if so, then good, bad, or ugly, whatever happens in life, you can still enjoy it all. Now, here are some things that I believe that there's some things that are enjoyment blockers, some things that they stop us from enjoying the life that God has given us. Now, there's thousands of things. I mean, jealousy, greed, pride, all those different things stop us from enjoying life. But I just want to point out three today, three things. And these are three things that I feel like God has asked me to share because personally, they're things that I am dealing with or have dealt with before. And so I wanna share from a little bit of my experience and what I believe that God has revealed to me about enjoying life. So some of the enjoyment blockers, things that stop us from enjoying our life, number one is bitterness. Now, nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to be defined as bitter. Like, don't nobody ever want to be told that they are bitter because bitterness is being drunk with anger or grief. You can be bitter about a person. You can be bitter about a place. You can be bitter about the life that God has given you. There's many different things that you can be bitter about, but it's being drunk with anger or grief. And the perspective that bitterness tells you, the lie that bitterness tells you is that God is too weak to be good. So bitterness is a protective shield because I've been hurt too bad and I don't want to get hurt again. And so I'm going to ball up my fist. I'm going to harden my heart and I won't budge. That's bitterness. Bitterness tells us if you don't protect yourself, who is going to protect you? Because God didn't do it before, so he may play you again. That's what bitterness tells us. But bitterness comes to steal, kill, and destroy the enjoyment of life that God has promised us. What are the things in your life that you have a bitter taste in your mouth about? What are the things that if somebody pokes that just enough, you might explode? Those are the things that we have allowed to become, we have now become intoxicated with and it's making us incapable of making proper judgment. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with anger or grief. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God gets angry and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing wrong with anger or grief, but there's a limitation. God said you can be angry, but don't sin. You can grieve, but don't grieve like you don't have hope. Because when we become drunk with these things, we are now intoxicated and now we are unable and immobilized to do what God has called us to do. Bitterness comes to steal the life that God has promised us. The second thing after bitterness is anxiety. Anxiety is, let me ask this before I, before I go there. How many people like scary movies? You like scary movies, raise your hand. Okay, I want you to raise your other hand because I'm about to pray for you right now. (laughs) Okay, so I do not enjoy scary movies. I don't get it, okay? I don't want, give me a regular rom-com. Just give me a romantic comedy that I know at the end is predictable. They're going to end up in love. They're going to be happy together. 
know a movie where I don't know who gonna die and who not gonna die. Like, is it, is it Killer Hill? Is it over there? No. We got too many things in life to worry about to be worried about this movie. Anxiety, really, at the core, anxiety is the fear of mystery. It's the fear of the mysterious. That's probably why I don't like scary movies. Because I'm not really a mysterious kind of person. I want it black and white. I need to know what's my next step in life, God. I need to know what tomorrow is going to bring. And if I don't know that, then it makes me anxious. Anxiety tells you, you better look out for yourself. You better check behind your back at all times because you never know what things can happen. And the thing about life and God is that both of them are mysterious. Literally, the Bible tells us God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways, they are not our ways. He is a mystery. When you think you figured out God, you realize you don't know nothing. God is a mystery. Life is a mystery. And if we are afraid of the mysterious, then we live in anxiety. And if we live in anxiety, we do not live in enjoyment. You can't enjoy a life that you're anxious about. You can't enjoy a life, you cannot enjoy a life that you cannot rest in. Anxiety tells us that God moves too slow to be good. So you gotta look out for yourself. And you got to make sure you stay on your toes and imagine everything that could go wrong just in case it goes wrong so you'll know what to do. But that's not a way to enjoy the life that God has given us. So we got bitterness, we got anxiety. The last thing, and I want to tread lightly when I talk about this because I want to make sure that I am sensitive to people that are dealing with this or have dealt with this. And that is depression. Now, Statistics say that one in every three people will struggle with depression. That is a high number of people. There's over, I think, 16 million people, adults, that deal with depression. That doesn't even include kids and teenagers. Depression is a society norm at this point. And as a church, we have to be sure to address the things that may be taking our people out. The thing about this statistic is, it's not one in every three unbelievers that deal with depression. It's people in this room right now dealing with depression. Depression is a constant constant feeling of self-doubt and sadness. The way that I describe it is, it literally feels like you have your own personal rain cloud following you everywhere you go. Everybody else is happy. Everybody else is living in the sun and you're under this rain cloud. Depression tells us that God is too far to be good. Because one of the biggest lies that depression tells us is that we're alone and that no one understands. So, this is, a, this is one of those things that it's kind of like, you know, I was talking to my husband before today and I was telling him I want to be sure that I'm saying this correctly because it's almost like one of those taboo things. Like we sit up in church and talk about how good and great and powerful our God is 
And sometimes it feels almost hypocritical to say, but I'm struggling with depression. But it's still reality for a lot of people. So personally, I have dealt with depression almost my entire life. I remember as a child um, having suicidal thoughts were like, it was like a normal thing. Now here's the thing. I grew up in church and I was told that if you commit suicide, you're going to go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. So I never did it. But I thought about it a lot. I remember as a child having many days where I just cried and honestly don't even remember why I was so sad. And this thing carried into my adulthood to the point where I had to really buckle down and deal with it so it wouldn't take me out. Depression is one of those things that makes you sad and makes you doubt yourself for almost no reason, but you really don't know how to climb out of it on your own. I admire people that have this strong sense of identity and like they're confident all the time because that just ain't my story. And God has had to really come in and show me that it doesn't matter how low you think you've gotten, he is still a healer. He is still a healer because he made us this promise that we are to enjoy life. So depression is exactly the opposite of that. So in other words, if God made us a promise, he will stand on his promise and he will make it come to pass if we just lean in and believe it. So the three things, bitterness, anxiety, depression. I want us to look at those three words. Look at the first letter in those three words. And and so obviously I use these because this is something that I've dealt with, but also because my acronym was perfect. Okay. Bitterness, anxiety, depression. If we look at the first letter of all these words, what does that spell? Bad. Here's what I believe. It's really hard for us to enjoy the life that God has given us if there are certain seasons, situations, people, and moments in our lives that we have declared as bad. Meaning there's no good in it. There's no, there's no good in any manner. In Romans 8 and 28, God made us another promise. Not just that we can enjoy life, but in Romans 8 and 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. In other words, God said, it doesn't matter what happens in your life, good, bad, or ugly, I know how to melt it all together and make it something beautiful. I know how to make it good. But if we doubt that, essentially what we are saying is, God, I hear what you're saying, but I've already made the decision, this is bad and nothing good can come from it. There's no way that we can enjoy our life if we're stepping around the bad things in our life. So this goes back to the beginning of mankind, the story of Adam and Eve. Okay, we all know the story of Adam and Eve. They played us. Uh, Basically, (laughs) anyways, 
So God put them in the Garden of Eden, right? He said, hey, here's this like utopia land I've made for you. There's all these fruits and veggies you can eat. You get to name all these animals. You get to do it until you want to stop. I mean, it's just so many great things that can happen here. You get to be naked. I mean, you don't got a sales shop. There's so many different things that you can do right here in the Garden of Eden. But I'm going to put this one tree, just one out of maybe thousands one tree here in the middle of the garden. I'm going to ask you not to eat from that tree because if you do, you will die. Okay? Well, we all know what happened. Adam and Eve ate from the tree. And what I have always thought about this story is what was so wrong about them eating from the tree? Now, this tree had a name. It was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, good and bad maybe. So what is so wrong with them eating from the tree of good and evil? It wasn't like it was a tree of lust or like lasciviousness or something like that. Like it wasn't that. It was just a tree of knowledge and good and evil. It doesn't seem like there would be anything wrong with that. Well, let me read to you Genesis 3. This is what the serpent was saying to Adam and Eve before they ate from the tree. He's tempting them in Genesis 3, 5 through 7. He says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman, with her silly self, was convinced. That's all she needed. She saw the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment... Their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together together to cover themselves. The enemy said to them, the serpent said to them, you can eat from this tree, you're not going to die. You're just going to become like God, knowing good from bad. In other words, you no longer have to be dependent on God's wisdom to decide what things are good or bad in your life. Now you have claimed your independence. When you eat from this tree, you are claiming your independence from whatever God says, and now you make decisions on your own. And it has trickled down into today. We now call things good that God calls bad, and we now call things bad that God calls good. In other words, we've twisted the whole system. And essentially what we've told God is, hey, I know you got a plan and I know you say this is right and this is wrong, but we're gonna make that decision on our own. So in other words, God says, hey, sex before marriage, don't do it. It's bad, not good for you in any way. We say, but it feels right. So it's gotta be good. God says, hey, don't lie. That's bad. No good comes from lying. We say, but in this situation, I mean, this one, God, not all of them. This one, it makes kind of sense for me to do this. It's good. We take the things that God says don't do, and he's declared as bad, and we say, hey, because we like it, it's good. But then on the flip side, the things that God calls good, we call bad. Now, I'm not saying there isn't wrong, unjust, hurtful things that have happened to us in our lives. But if we stand in the judge's seat, if we sit in the judge's seat and we say, I'm declaring this situation, this person, this event as only bad and nothing good can come from it, we are calling our God a liar. 
We are telling him, I hear what you say in your word. You can make it all good, but not this situation. I hear what you're saying, but nah, not this one. He did wrong. She did wrong. That was bad. And we declare these certain things in our lives as bad. So we spend the rest of our lives either trying to avoid these things from ever being really healed or touched because we don't want nobody going to that place or we wallow in them. Either way, we don't enjoy life. If you wallow in it, you don't enjoy life because all you're doing is focusing on that thing. And now it has taken over, consumed your life to believe that you have a bad life. Or you're hopscotching around life trying to avoid this bad thing that happened so much so that you can't bring it up in conversation. If anybody even hints to it, it's a ticking time bomb before you go off. And you never get it healed because you never address it. Pain happens in life and it sucks. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't like pain. That's why I only got one earring on each ear. I don't believe in pain. (laughs) Pain is not fun, but it's a part of the life we live. And it does not define our lives as bad because it's happened. And God is, what I feel like what he was telling me is, Brie, you gotta change your perspective. You gotta change your perspective to know that I am good enough, strong enough, near you enough to take the things that have happened that cause pain and hurt in your life and turn them into testimonies. So um, there's a couple of things that I wanna give you because I don't believe leaving here without practical steps is beneficial, okay? So let's talk about some practical things. How do we enjoy life? Because this is what God promised us. Number one, we ask. There's nothing worse than the Christian who loves and worships God, but don't ever talk to him. Prayer is communication with God. And when we get to a point where we're not enjoying the life that God has placed in our hands, we do no longer see it as a gift. We are to ask him for help. And in John 16, 24, it says, Jesus is talking and he's like, hey, you know, I got an idea. You haven't done this before. Ask. Maybe a a new idea here. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. All we have to do is ask. And maybe you're saying, Brie, I have asked several times actually and nothing's changed. Keep asking. Keep asking. Even when you don't feel like you've gotten the answer that you want, keep asking because eventually Jesus said you will receive and you will have abundant joy. That's joy to the full, to overflowing joy. And that's how we enjoy life. Now, after we ask God, then comes the hard part. Number two, accept. There's some people myself included sometimes, that really we honestly need to look at those things that we declare bad in our life and we need to say, it happened. Like sometimes we're even afraid to admit that something painful happened in our life. In Ecclesiastics, and I love this scripture because it's totally changed my perspective in a lot of ways. Ecclesiastics 5 19 through 20, it says, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. 
Listen to this. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. This is the part, y'all. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. My God, my God, I could run around this room right now. This scripture is saying, if you can just accept the lot in life that God has given you, I'm not saying don't ask for more. I'm not saying don't desire more. But if you can look at what God has placed in your hands and say, thank you even for this. What you're going to do is you're going to spend so much time enjoying your life. You won't have any time to brood over the past. There is beauty and goodness all around us if we look for it. What are you focused on? Because more than likely, if you're focused on those bad things that have happened in your life, you don't enjoy your life, and hint, hint, you're probably not that enjoyable. I'm just saying. Ask the five people closest to you what they think about that statement. Okay? But God is saying here, he's saying in Ecclesiastes, he's telling us, focus on what I have put in your hands. That is good. That should do enjoy. If you focus on that and you accept life for what it is for right now, you can enjoy your life. Because you never enjoy the life that you despise. Looking for the next thing that's coming. And a lot of times as a church, we have geared ourselves up so much for the best is yet to come. That if we don't realize the best is right here, right now. Man, we're so excited about the breakthrough that God's going to do and, and the next level and glory to glory. That's right. We are excited. But for go from, to go from glory to glory, you got to start at glory. <laughs> it's, it's some glorious things happening in your life right now. And if you focus in on that, I promise you, you'll enjoy it way more than you've been enjoying it. You got to focus in on those glorious things. Man, I wasn't planning on telling y'all this, but man, the other day my husband made me so mad. He gonna be so mad. I tell you a story. Y'all pray for our marriage after this. <laughs> oh my gosh, he made me so mad the other day over something silly. And God said, do you enjoy it all? I mean, I'm, I'm preparing for this sermon and God's like, but can you enjoy it all? And I started thinking of all the good things in my marriage. And I was like, I ain't that mad no more. <laughs> I'm not going to let that get me down no more. <laughs> because if you focus in on that, your heart has no option but to lean in to what your mind is thinking about. Your heart follows that mind. You change those thoughts and your life will follow right behind that. That's how we enjoy life. We ask God for what we want, but then we accept what he has given us as a gift. As a gift, not a lump of coal, as a gift. The life that God has given you is a gift. But you got to fix your focus and change those thoughts. Sometimes you got to talk out loud. Boy, I be talking to myself all the time. I promise you, if you ever see me driving on the road and I'm talking, I am not on the phone. <laughs> I am talking to Brie Davis. 
And I'm probably encouraging her, telling her, girl, you need to calm down. I ain't even that serious. Whatever the case may be, I'm talking to myself. So we have the ability to accept the life that God has given us. But that is if we decide to not despise where we are right now. We can enjoy life. So we ask, we accept. And number three, we acknowledge. They're all A words if you haven't noticed. We acknowledge Here's the thing about life, or here's the thing about Christianity. We don't have to ask for the presence of God. Like, we spend all our time asking God for his presence. He's already given it to us. He lives inside of us. His presence is closer than it could ever be in our lives today, right now. All we have to do is acknowledge it. We just need to be aware of his presence and that will change our view. In Psalms, it says, one second. Okay, Psalm 16 and 11. It says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Why do we not always feel fullness of joy? because we haven't taken the time to acknowledge the presence of God. He is with you, he is in you. If you continue to acknowledge that, if you continue to make yourself aware of that, all the things that come with his presence, you now get. That includes abundant joy. That's why it says in your presence, there is fullness of joy. We talked about it last week, but in Philippians 4, Paul is talking and he says, I can be content with nothing or everything. It's like, okay, Paul, you the mom. Okay, you know, we ain't got there yet. Paul is saying, listen, I don't have to have anything or I can have everything in the world. I am content. But it's not because of Paul. It's because Paul fixed his focus on Christ. He said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It's not Paul on his own able to enjoy life. It's because he now is acknowledging the presence of a living Savior that lives inside of him and now he can enjoy the life that he's been given. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. But that takes acknowledgement. We ask, we accept, we acknowledge. Now, I shared a little bit earlier, a little bit of my testimony. I want to share a little bit more. Um, I told you that depression has been something that I've always struggled with. It's something that God has had to be very, I had to be very intentional about focusing in to overcome and be healed from it. And um, the last situation I went through was a few years ago and I had gotten to a really, really low place. I was working here at the church smiling and laughing with the saints, but going home and crying myself to sleep at night. And it's not that I didn't have community, it's not that I didn't have counsel and all those different things, but I just did not know how to pull myself out of that pit. I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. And I was talking one day to my Tulsa mom, Pastor Barbara, and um, she told me something that I'll never forget. And I don't even think, she may not even remember that she said this. She said to me, in this kind of situation, you either live or you die. 
And that's a little, you know, a little morbid, but you know. <laughs> but I understood what she was saying. My heart caught on to that statement. I knew what she meant. It didn't mean you're gonna live or you're gonna die physically. It meant spiritually and emotionally, if you do not buckle down and fight this, you will die here emotionally. You will die here spiritually. And I knew that is not what I wanted. I'm telling y'all, I was at a point where there was only two things I was interested in, sleeping and being alone. That was it. I got to a point where I had thought so many bad things about myself and I could not pull myself out of this, this run, this just, it was a rampage of thoughts about me not being good enough in whatever it is I was dealing with. And I remember, I mean, I was at a point where Normally when I would go in a grocery store, I talk to like cashiers and stuff and like, hey, how's your day going? Da, 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 da. I can't even do that because it just felt fake. It just felt like there's nothing good. And I got into the point literally where um, I felt like I can't even, I, I'm in ministry. Like I'm a leader at a church. And I felt like you're not good enough for that. You're a, a sore. You're a problem. And I ended up, transitioning from my job here at the church to another job. And I'm getting emotional because God is such a healer. I'll never forget. I was laying in bed one day. I was laying in bed and I told myself, I'm not gonna die here, but I don't know how to get out of this. I can't live, I cannot live here abundantly, but I don't know how to move from this place. But what I did know is that there was truth in God's word. And if I said it enough, if I acknowledged his presence enough, that eventually something was gonna shift. And I found this scripture, I don't even know how I got to it. It's in Psalms 40, one through three. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Y'all, when I read that scripture for the first time, I was like, this is a load of crap. <laughs> I love you, God, but I just, I can't even, I mean, I can't get with that right now. And I kept reading it. And I told myself, I'm not gonna stop reading this scripture until I see it take place in my life. I'm telling you, I've read that scripture so many times. And, and what I can say today is, I've seen it. I've seen God lift me out of the muck and mire. I've seen him place me on solid ground. I've seen him steady me as I walked along. I've seen God heal. He's given me a new song of praise, a hymn of praise to our God, a song from the depths of my soul. 
Thank you, God. And today, the last part of that scripture says that many will see it and they'll be amazed and they'll put their trust in God. I don't know how many people are in here today or watching online or will watch this playback, but I know it's many. And today I can say this scripture has been fulfilled in my life because many will see it and they will be amazed and they will put their trust in God. God has promised us an abundant life. Take what's yours. Take what's yours. It is a promise that he will stand on. He cannot lie. It's yours. And if you are having a hard time enjoying the life that God is giving you, go back to the feet of Jesus and say, God, change my perspective. I want to see you as good and I want to see this life as a gift. I want to end with this scripture in Psalms 90. And I heard this scripture the other day. Um, I hadn't heard in a while and I was like, that's it. Psalms 90 says, teach us to number our days. Here's my encouragement to you. Tomorrow's not promised. We have no idea. We talked about life being a mystery. We have no idea what tomorrow holds for us. So why not enjoy today? Why not enjoy the day that God has placed in your hands? The family that God has placed in your hands. The job that God has placed in your hands. The life that God has given you as a gift. Teach us to number our days, God. That means show us how short life is so I can enjoy the days that I have on this earth. This morning, I wanna pray for you. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like life is not a gift and it's been nothing but a struggle and it's been nothing but hard. And the relationships that you have in your life, maybe they're a struggle and they're hard and the job is hard and all these different things create this perspective that life is not good, even though Jesus promised, promised us that. This morning, I wanna pray for those that need a perspective shift. You need to see God as good again so you can see life as good. You need to get over the grief and the anger and the bitterness and the anxiety and the depression and whatever else that you may be dealing with so that you can really relish in and love and embrace the abundant life that God has called us to. Let's pray this morning. God, I'm so grateful for your presence. Lord, I thank you that in this place today, Lord Jesus, you have promised us an abundant, enjoyable life that is full of joy and peace and love. And God, today, somebody is struggling to enjoy that gift that you've given us. Fun month isn't just a month of enjoying it all. We wanna live the life where we can enjoy it all. God, we know you as a healer we know it in our heads. Now help us know it in our hearts. 
I pray for every person, Lord God, that is struggling to enjoy life today, that as they leave, you begin to shift their perspective, Lord God, to get us to a place where we can say, I enjoy it all. Good, bad, or ugly, whatever may come my way, I enjoy it all. And the reason I can enjoy it all is because you said it all works together for our good. We thank you for changing our hearts, changing our minds and our thoughts and changing our perspective. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us forward slash give. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this one. Now go and live a transformed life.